Welcome to Looking Forward, where we speak with experts about marketplace and societal trends, and most importantly, how they might affect you. I'm Jeff Ostroff, the host of Looking Forward. If you're like me, you're fascinated by trends in the future. In fact, several years ago, that was one of the things I focused on in a book I wrote. Hi, everyone. Today on Looking Forward, we're going to focus on trends, opportunities, and the future of an industry that has grown by leaps and bounds over the past two decades. I'm speaking about podcasting. To help us do that, we've got a highly qualified expert on the topic. He's James Cridland. James Cridland is the editor of Pod News, a daily podcast newsletter, which also has a podcast. He is a radio futurologist, a writer, consultant, and public speaker on radio's future. James has worked in radio and audio since 1989 as an award-winning copywriter, radio presenter, and internet strategist. He launched the world's first streaming radio smartphone app in March 2005 for the original Virgin Radio in London, launching daily podcasts earlier that year. In 2007, James joined the BBC, working on the BBC iPlayer for radio, achieving a dramatic increase in the service's audio quality. James has worked with the world's largest radio conference, Radio Days Europe, since its inception. A founder of the hybrid Radio Technology Association, Radio DNS, James is an associate member of the International Academy of Digital Arts and Sciences. Born in the UK, James lives in Brisbane, Australia with his partner and daughter. Before we get to James, I'd like to say a few words about our sponsor today, Tap Into. Tap Into is a local news network with sites in more than 90 communities. We're revolutionizing local news and are looking for people interested in owning and operating a local news and digital marketing platform. For more information, visit franchisetapinto.net or call 908-370-1158. Hi, James. Welcome to Looking Forward. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for asking me. Well, it's my pleasure. And I must say, you are my first guest expert from Australia. It's a pleasure. Well, it's it's a great pleasure. I'm not a proper Australian. I mean, I am a proper Australian. I'm I'm a citizen these days, but um, I I am a Brit. So as you can tell from my aloof British accent, but um, the other the other sort of side of that is that I can actually say hello from tomorrow, where it is, where I am. That's true. That's true. It's tomorrow where he is. It's tonight where I am. James, before we go any further, for the benefit of our listeners who don't know what a podcast is, can you briefly explain that? Yes, it depends who you're talking to. If you're talking to another podcaster, then a podcast is a piece of um, of audio which is non-DRM um, encoded, uh, which is uh, normally uh, as an MP3 stream, which is normally uh, available to you from an RSS feed, which is um, available for you to download or to listen to on demand. If you're talking to a normal human being, <laughs> okay. then a podcast is a piece of on-demand audio, a bit like a radio show that you can listen to at any point. Yes. Well, that's great. I'd rather go with your second definition myself. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you wouldn't mind telling us, James, just a little bit about what got you into podcasting? 
Well, so what got me into broadcasting originally was that I was just fascinated about radio and fascinated about um, what you could do with the medium of, um, you know, speech and talking to people um, all over the world. And uh, so I was fascinated at that. So at school, I built my own pirate radio station, which was probably a bad thing, um, <laughs> and uh, did lots of the subjects that I thought might uh, get me into uh, radio. And then um, uh, started working for a radio station as a presenter, or as you might call it, a personality, um, in uh, the UK um, a long, long time ago. But I've been rather more interested in what technology can do for radio. So that little um, bit where technology and radio meet. And so back in 2005, January of 2005, I was working for a radio station called Virgin Radio, which was once owned by Richard Branson. Oh, wow. And uh, one of the things that we were trying to do is to make sure that our great content that we had on the radio station reached as many people as we possibly could. So we were the first radio station to stream online in, the, uh, in Europe. Um, we were the first radio station to do, you know, a bunch of these new and, and interesting things to broadcast on satellite and everything else. Um, and I saw that podcasting was a thing. And so in January of 2005, I coded my first RSS feed, which was um, making the breakfast show available as an RSS feed as a podcast. Um, and that was great fun. And Steve Jobs obviously realized because um, it only took him six months after that to put podcasting into uh, the iPod. So so, um, you know, so I actually beat uh, Steve Steve uh, Jobs in terms of realizing that this was a thing that we should probably be focusing on. So I've been um, involved both tangentially and recently, you know, far more, um, you know, directly involved in podcasting ever since. That's really fascinating about how you are actually out ahead of Steve Jobs. <laughs> Yeah, so 2005 was an interesting time in that in January we had started um, producing a daily podcast. It was the first daily podcast from a UK radio station. And then in March we produced something we didn't even know what to call it. I called it a 3G tuner, but it turned out it was the first radio station mobile phone app in the world. And it sounded, well, it sounded kind of okay-ish. It didn't sound fantastic, yeah. but nevertheless available for about three different Symbian phones, um, but the first mobile phone app in the world, which I'm quite, I'm quite proud of. That's terrific. Another first. Well, at least <laughs> the other first was ahead of Steve Jobs. We're going to find out now if you were the first in podcasting, because I want to ask you, relatively speaking, when I think of podcasts in my lifetime, they've only been around a short time. Yeah. like maybe the beginning of the 21st century. And I'm wondering if you could give our listeners, James, some idea about when podcasts began and how they've evolved up until the present day. Now, that's quite a lot to cover. Maybe you can hit on the key points. Were you <laughs> really at the beginning, at the vanguard of podcasting, or were there others who were out there before you were? Oh, there were certainly others who are out there before me. So um, the first, uh, and this is a bone of contention in the podcasting world, mm. uh, of exactly the history behind um, behind uh, podcasting. And so, you know, you always have to be sort of relatively careful in terms of how you actually talk about this. But um, the first podcast feed was all the way back um, in 2001, 
Um, and the first podcast feed in, uh, you know, the, 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 the typical way that, uh, that technologists do this, the first podcast feed was actually contained um, pirated music. So there you go. Okay. Uh, it, was a, it was a Grateful Dead uh, track, I believe. Um, so that was, uh, that was interesting. Um, that was a guy called Dave Weiner that came up with the idea of a RSS feed with an enclosure, which is essentially how, how a podcast works. Um, the first podcast itself, if you consider the content in there, was in 2003. It was a podcast called Open Source, which is actually still going now. And that was um, a man called Chris Lydon who put that together. But I mean, really, you know, podcasting started becoming um, more mainstream. You know, of course, once large broadcasters like the uh, like the BBC, like NPR, had begun to get involved in podcasting in late 2004, and then Steve Jobs, of course, adding podcasting into to, into the iPod in 2005. Adam Curry. Uh, who was an MTV um, video DJ, um, he started doing a particularly popular podcast and he was one of the uh, guiding forces to actually get podcasting into the, um, into the Apple iPod. So that's basically how podcasting started. I think what's exciting about podcasting from my point of view is that it's never been something which has uh, grown incredibly quickly. Um, it's had slow and steady growth uh, over the last uh, 20 years or so. Um, and that's great because, you know, things that bubble very, very quickly normally pop. You know, yes. uh, if you remember, if you remember MySpace and how exciting MySpace was. And now if you ask somebody whether or not they're still on MySpace, of course, people will ne never have logged into that thing for many years. Um, so, you know, there's clearly a difference there in terms of uh, um, in terms of how that grew in comparison to podcasting, which is growing nicely and very, um, uh, you know, and very slowly and has grown, you know, nice and slowly over the last 15 to, uh, to uh, 20 years or so. Let me ask you, you've used a term a few times, James, that I really only understand because I have to. And actually, I wouldn't even say I understand it. I understand it no better than I'd understand apparatus in a car. But yes. I know that it's necessary. <laughs> I'm wondering if in layman's terms, you could explain RSS feed. I had no clue about it until I got into podcasting. And honestly, I don't know much about it other than I got to have an RSS feed. So <laughs> in layman's terms, can you help our people who aren't technical? What is the RSS feed? Well, when you go into a restaurant and you want to know what food is available, then you take a look at a menu and the menu is the RSS feed. When you then want um, to choose a meal that you want to eat, then the meal is the audio. Uh, and so basically the RSS feed is uh, the menu um, for the audio that you want to consume, for the food that you want to, uh, to get. So that's basically what an RSS feed is. So every restaurant wants you to see their menu. Every restaurant wants you to, um, to understand what you can choose from. And that's exactly what an RSS feed is. It's a list of episodes. It's a list of information about a particular uh, podcast. And it links a podcast player like Apple Podcasts or Spotify to the audio. That's a great explanation. Thank you. I, I love the way that you were able to use that analogy. It makes it mm. easier for me and for other people. <laughs> Thank you for that. Now, getting back to this 
rather slow growth. Mm. I want to ask you, what is accounting for the fact that there wasn't a sizzle that fizzled, as I like to say, what is accounting for this slow and steady growth, James? Well, I think a lot of different things are accounting for that. I think particularly in the United States, um, you see um, you see radio, which has you know been part of and is still part of many people's lives in the US. But you see radio being um, uh, er eroded and radio being made a little bit less interesting, a little bit less exciting because of um, a lot of media consolidation, but also because of things um, like, you know, a, a, a very uh, changing media uh, economy. So from all of that sort of side of it, I think it's, you know, um, there's clearly change going on in the audio world anyway. And I think what we're also seeing is uh, we're seeing the benefit of on-demand audio. One of the things that I um, also do is that I'm a radio consultant, I'm a radio futurologist, and I help people understand where radio is going, what's going on in terms of consumption um, from that point of view, and, you know, and really sort of focus on how people are consuming uh, audio. And very much you can see that younger audiences are consuming audio and expect to consume audio in an on-demand way. So they want the audio to be ready when they want to have a listen. And that's not something necessarily that radio offers. Still, nine out of ten people listen to, to the radio in the US. It's still a very large thing. But actually, once you start having a look at younger audiences, 15 to 24s, that sort of thing, then... Um, they are much more interested in on-demand audio, whether that's uh, music in terms of things like Spotify, YouTube Music and Apple Music, or whether that's in terms of podcasting. And one of the things that I'm very excited by is that the amount of spoken word that people are consuming has gone up dramatically over the last six years. We're actually listening to more audio, um, but the amount of spoken word has gone up by 30% in the last six years, which is great because it shows, I think, that people are very interested and very excited about spoken word audio rather than just music. The amount of music um, consumption has actually gone down. So, you know, when you have a look at that, when you then have a look at particularly what younger audiences are doing, um, then you can see that there's a real uh, change towards on-demand and towards podcasting in particular. So right now, 41%, that's 116 million people in the US are listening to podcasts every month. Um, and that's a fantastic uh, step from, you know, where we were, you know, only 10 or so years ago. That is great information on demand being a very key component of that, the shifting away of advertising dollars, you know, away from radio. That's mm -hmm. great stuff. I love that you're into radio's future. That's like a whole other topic. Do you have any idea how many podcasts there are? I've been hearing crazy numbers and with pod news, you guys are on the case. So do you have any <laughs> idea about how many there are? Yes, and there are a number of different of different numbers. Uh, I'll tell you in terms of how many podcasts there are, um, primarily because quite a lot of people like to quote the number of podcasts in Apple Podcasts, and the number of podcasts in Apple Podcasts are about two point one million. 
of them. Wow. So if you only use Apple Podcasts, 2.1 million podcasts are available in there. But the actual figure, as of now, as of the time that we are speaking, is um, it's just clocked over to 3.9 million podcasts are available as a whole. And those are podcasts that they may be in Apple Podcasts, they may be in Spotify, they may be in other podcast apps, of course, um, uh, they may be in all kinds of different languages as well. But 3.9 million podcasts are out there. Not all of them, of course, are um, actively being updated. Uh, and that's a fine thing too, because not all books are actively being updated either. Um, but when you have a look at just the amount of podcasts out there, 3.9 million, or if you look at it from the other side, how many podcasts were updated in the last month? 444,000. So 444,000 is still an awful lot. James, that is staggering. That is staggering. I thought I had one of the only podcasts. I thought maybe you and I had the only podcast. <laughs> this is very hurtful. Sadly not. <laughs> Sadly not. But what that does mean is that if you are getting, uh, you know, the, the, there are an awful lot of podcasts out there that don't really get any downloads whatsoever. Um, so what's nice is that actually, as soon as you hit, you know, somewhere like 100 downloads per episode, then you are doing significantly better than almost every podcast out there, uh, which is, you know, that's thing. a great thing to know. For our yeah. listeners who have podcasts, or maybe want to get into them, James, that's an interesting mm. metric. So only a hundred downloads. Well, I will tell you the actual the actual number, rather than relying from uh, from my memory. Yeah. Um, if you do more than seventy seven downloads in your first seven days, uh, then you are better than seventy five percent of podcasts out there. Wow. Um, and uh, you are a top 1% of podcasts if you're doing 3,400 downloads in the first seven days. Um, so, you know, you can, you can see that actually there's a big long tail. And that's what I think excites me about podcasting in m many ways is that um, podcasting isn't broadcasting. The whole point of broadcasting on a radio station with a big tower in a field somewhere is that you're trying to reach as many people as you possibly can. And that's fine, and that's great, and that's certainly one way of doing things. What podcasting is, is it's all about small niche communities, 3.9 million of them, but small niche communities who you are super serving. And if you do a podcast, I do a podcast which is about podcasting news every single day. If you are super serving that particular niche, then yes, you may not get millions and millions and millions of people downloading your, your, your podcast, but you know that every one of the people who downloads your podcast is really interested in what you have to say and what you're talking about. And that is, I think, the big difference between podcasting and radio. It's broadcasting versus talking to a small niche community that really values what you do. Very interesting. Now I'm going to digress a bit and ask you another question, which is, how long would somebody who has begun a podcast need to have a podcast before they can finally say, you know what, either A, I'm making it, I'm hitting those James numbers there, or you know what, I'm making this up, James. It's five years now, I got 32 people. Is there a certain point at which you know, hey, you're starting to get that faithful crowd? 
Well, I mean, you know, again, it depends on um, it depends on the size of the community that you're there trying to uh, serve. So if you make a podcast which is about underwater knitting, I'm sure that there are some people that really like underwater knitting, <laughs> right? But probably not that many of them. If you can hit 50% of those people, that may only be 10 people, you know? Um, so I think, you know, on that side, it's difficult. Uh, I mean, the other thing that I would say is that Joe Rogan, who um, is the most popular podcast in terms of numbers at least um he does um a you know obviously a bunch of downloads and a bunch of things and his podcast was bought by spotify for 100 million dollars last year wow um so he's done really well out of that but he spent 10 years on that podcast and before he spent 10 years on that podcast he spent a further 15 years um honing his craft understanding how to use his voice understanding how to use his natural inquisitiveness to make something which was really good and really interesting to the type of audience that likes joe rogan and so really you know the answer to your question is you know joe rogan really only made it after you know probably 25 years of hard work and i think that's what a lot of people forget is that actually yeah you can start podcasting tomorrow and please don't stop thinking about launching a podcast just because you're not quite sure that it's right the only way that you will find out it's right is if you start doing it and start actually you know learning on the job but also secondly you can start doing a podcast tomorrow but um, it may take many uh, months if not years to actually grow that podcast to something which is going to earn you significant revenue if that's your your interest going to get you significant audience if that's your interest you know and so uh, and so on and so forth so it's um you know not quite as easy as to turn around and say you know it'll you know give yourself um six months or two years and uh, and and you're away the other of course thing is that given that there are um, 3.9 million or 444,000 podcasts out there, um, you need to make sure that your podcast is findable and um, you need to make sure that people understand what your podcast is about, first of all, and secondly, how to find it um, and uh, get that podcast in front of people that might be interested in it. And that is a whole marketing job, um, which is something that uh, quite a few podcasters, I think, don't necessarily um, add into what they're, you know, what they're thinking about doing when they launch a podcast. Those are great pieces of advice. And certainly, James, when you talk about 3.9 million mm. podcasts, <laughs> how do you create your point of distinction or differentiation becomes critical. So the marketing is critical. We have at this point, from the numbers that we can gather, about 20% of our listeners living outside of the United States. Mm -hmm. And we certainly hope to increase that. And then we've got you in Australia, and that's part of the reason we... Now, nah, that's not the reason why. But, but <laughs> you know, you're an expert. That's why we... Are. But you happen to be outside the United States. What you've been saying, James, about the evolution of podcasting, about the listeners, who they are, how many there are, the number of podcasts... Is this something that's global? You've been referring to Great Britain. You've referred to the United States and Steve Jobs. But is this phenomenon happening perhaps at different paces or scales around most of the globe? Yeah, I mean, if you take a look at uh, where do you think podcasts are the most popular, if you look at it, at it in terms of 
in terms of um, uh, how many people in a particular country listens to a podcast? Where do you think podcasts are the most popular? Wow, he's got me, folks. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking it would be a very educated place. How about like Iceland or uh, Switzerland? <laughs> It's a good guess. Actually, depending on whose figures you have a look at, the number one uh, country for podcast consumption is either South Korea, South or Korea. it's or it's Spain. Um, depending on depending on where you look, um, the U.S. is interestingly mid-table in terms of um, uh, the amount of the population who listens to podcasts, and the U.K. a little bit further down. I think probably because the U.K. has. Um, a little bit more on-demand radio content from the BBC and other things. But yeah, I mean, podcasting is is actually very large outside of the US as well. Uh, last year, we saw more new podcasts available in other languages than we did in English, which I think says that the amount of podcasting, uh, the amount of podcasts out there are certainly growing and growing really substantially in um, parts of the world like Latin America, um, in um, in Far East Asia, where, you know, podcasting, I was talking to um, somebody from uh, Malaysia and Indonesia not so long ago, and, uh, you know, they were saying just how quickly podcasting is growing in that particular country. Um, and so there's a lot of growth elsewhere. I think it's probably fair to say that in the developed world, the US is number one, really in terms of uh, revenue and that sort of side of it. Um, Australia is probably a couple of uh, years behind the US, as are Canada, as are the UK. Um, but, uh, you know, in terms of growth, you know, it is growing very, very fast. And, and that's, I think, what I find really interesting. You have companies like Wondery, um, which is a big podcast studio, which is now owned by Amazon. They spent um, quite some time uh, translating their big shows, uh, shows like uh, Dr. Death, into other languages so so that um, they could be enjoyed by a whole new audience. And what they've begun doing, which I think is very clever, is they've taken a different podcast of theirs called Business Wars, which is all about, um, you know, different businesses fighting um, uh, about each other. There was one about Coke versus Pepsi and that sort of thing. They've taken that and they've translated that into other languages, but they've actually taken the concept and translated the concept into other languages. So there's a Business Wars, which is available in Japan. And the uh, that particular season is all about the uh, is all about N Nintendo versus the PlayStation, um, because that's of, of something which is of particular interest to those audiences. So I think there's a bunch of these different things going on around taking podcasts that we know work in the US, in the UK, in Australia, and both translating them in terms of language, but also translating them in terms of culture for some of the other countries out there as well. I think that is fascinating. I was going to ask you about multilingual and then you, you brought it up. I think that's fascinating information. Thank you. Let's Take a look for a moment at the pandemic, James. Hmm. When you I think guess. not just about the US or Australia, when you think about them and these other countries, you mentioned many, and there are many others that you don't have time to mention, but if you think about the whole world and think about podcasting, what impact has COVID-19 had on podcasting? Has it helped? Has it caused things to slow down a little bit? 
or even pull back? It's a interesting question in that in some ways it's it's pulled podcasting back. In some ways it's helped podcasting. Mm. Um, so firstly, when if you have a look at um, the US is a particularly uh, interesting country in that a lot of audio media consumption is done in the car. That's not something which is done in most other countries, but in the US it appears that um, that uh, audio is most listened to in the car. And of course, if you're not commuting to work anymore because you're working from home, then you end up listening to much less audio. So things like radio and podcasting uh, had a real dip at the beginning of the pandemic last year. Um, and so what also went alongside that was a dip in the ad uh, dollars that went into podcasting um, because, um, you know, firstly, uh, there was less consumption, but also secondly, what exactly are you advertising? You can't advertise restaurants. You can't advertise going to the movies, you know, uh, because all of those uh, all of those are closed. So you had a bit of a dip at the beginning. But what we've then seen is that um, firstly, the amount of podcasts out there just grew and grew and grew because people were at home. They knew that they could create. They wanted to create. Um, and they found that actually creating podcasting was really easy and straightforward for them. So the uh, largest amount of podcasts, of new podcasts that we had was June of last year. Um, the height of the at-home time in the pandemic so lots more uh, content uh, which is out there. But what we've also seen, uh, and this is true for radio as well, is that because we've been at home, where we've got internet that by and large works, um, we've got lots of uh, devices that we have you know, access to, and we actually now have the time to play around with them. That's meant that we've had an awful lot more consumption of non-traditional media, of things like podcasting, of streaming services like Netflix and Hulu and, and that sort of thing. So we've had a lot more consumption of that because we are stuck at home, because we, we might actually, you know, find the manual for our smart TV and set and set the thing up. You know, all of yes. that kind of uh, stuff is something that we probably haven't done in the past. So there's actually been a real growth of, um, of consumption, which has been very helpful, because um, typically, both podcasting and radio rely on habit. They rely on you doing the same thing every single day. They rely on you catching the news at the same time, waking up to the same radio station as I've done for the last five years, you know, um, doing all of that kind of stuff, listening to the New York Times daily as part of your routine. All of that is, is most definitely habit related. And what the pandemic was very clever at doing was changing our habits and our habits are changed forever now. And so we now know that we can ask our smart speaker for the latest news and our smart speaker will play the latest news. Yeah. That's something that we might not have known a year or so ago. So I think the changing habits have been really helpful for, for podcasting. Uh, it's enabled people to understand the creative process in terms of making them as well. Um, and I think it's been good news, even if it did impact um, the, the, the revenue going into podcasting for a short while at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. That was a great overview. And coincidentally, this particular episode, I believe when it airs, which is in a few days, 
mm-hmm. mark a year since I began mine. So mine began in June as well. Looking forward began in June. <laughs> I didn't realize June was, so, I thought it was a big month for people in the United States to get married, but I didn't know June was a great time to give birth to podcasts. That's fascinating to know that. Yeah, yeah. Now, James, looking forward is, of course, about looking forward, looking into the future. So if you had to predict what will happen to the podcasting industry over the next several years, what trends would you expect to see in terms of content, distribution, ownership, advertising? What are you sensing based on you're tracking this every single day and reporting on it? Yeah, I mean, I think um, we've seen an awful lot of consolidation over the last couple of uh, years um, of companies that uh, first started to buy lots of content companies. You know, if you look at uh, at uh, Spotify, for example, buying an awful lot of, um, of uh, companies out there like Gimlet who are making great shows, what we're now seeing is a lot of consolidation around the tech side as well. So um, uh, large companies buying into podcast hosting companies, buying into um, other organizations that are helping um, podcasting growing. And I think one of the particular growth areas is um, the advertising technology side of podcasting. So one of the things that um, uh, is interesting being in Australia is hearing some of the advertising in podcasts. And some of that advertising is for Australian companies because they've invested in dynamic ad insertion, which means that I get ads that are interesting to me. And some of the podcasters haven't done that. And so I'm still hearing ads for banks that I can't bank with, meal companies that I can't uh, buy meals from, or uh, clothes that I can't buy either. And that to me seems like a bit of a waste of, uh, of advertiser money and a bit of a waste of uh, time. So my suspicion is that we will see much more cleverer advertising into our podcasts. And I think it's going to be an interesting conversation around what that means for privacy, what that means for individual, um, you know, individual information online. Um, to me, I would much rather hear a advertising message that was interesting to me um, and that I could actually act on rather than hear something which is irrelevant um, from a, a different country. So I think from that point of view, you know, I kind of lean on the side of, uh, you know, advertising, which is a bit more personalized. Um, but obviously that that worries um, many people in terms of, um, of uh, privacy, because they see there being, you know, issues around that. So, you know, I think that that's certainly going to be a part of the future. Um, and I also suspect that we might see in the next two or three years, slightly less, slightly fewer celebrities getting involved in podcasting just because it's something that they can do from home. Um, I think, you know, we're currently seeing a, a boom of um, celebrities podcasting. But I think the reason why they're doing that is it's really easy to do from your celebrity spare room. And I think once uh, people are a bit busier again, um, then I suspect that we'll see a little bit less of that. And that's probably a good thing for all of us. Okay. Can you comment briefly on dynamic advertising? Is that like a live ad that comes in as opposed to a pre-recorded one? What do you mean by you're seeing dynamic advertising, James? Please. Yeah. 
so the, the, the old fashioned way of doing advertising in a podcast is, um, if, if I was to suddenly start talking about Geico insurance and how wonderful Geico insurance is, and that ad would then be stuck in your podcast forever. Um, so it means that if in three years time, Geico changed their name, which would be a foolish thing for them to do, you would either have to go back and edit this particular podcast, and that would be a bad idea, or it would just be wasted uh, opportunity for them. The way that podcast advertising works now, um, and um, my friend Brian Barletta writes a great uh, newsletter all about advertising in podcasts, which is called Sounds Profitable. The way that uh, podcast advertising works now is you, you just put a little note in your podcast, a little marker point of where an ad should go, and then the system automatically knows what ad goes into that spot when someone downloads a podcast, when somebody wants to have a listen to that particular show. So so that's great for things like geo-targeting because it means that you can advertise something to someone in California that they can't get anywhere else. Um, it's great for um, timely advertising as well. It means that you can advertise a big fight that's happening this weekend. It means that you can advertise a new sh a new sale that Macy's has on or whatever that um, that 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 thing might be, and automatically that ad would come out as soon as that event had actually happened. And it's also good for, you know, you can you can do a little bit more targeting. And where people get worried is that you can buy information about who lives in your house based on your IP address, based on your computer's ID, which then enables you to go, okay, I know that in this particular house, there is a teenage girl, there's uh, and there's also a husband and wife because of the other things that they do on their internet. So therefore, I know that I can uh, serve them these particular ads. And that's when it begins to be a little bit more invasive. But dynamic ads in terms of making sure that the ads that you hear are relevant, are timely, um, is a great piece of um, tech that um, many podcasters are, are already using and uh, many more will do as well. Okay. Now, getting back to the content. 3.9 million, roughly speaking, podcasts. I know not all of them mm -hmm. are active, as you pointed out. Yeah. You talked about industry consolidation, James. Are we mm. going to see consolidation in terms of the podcast survivors? Are we going to get to a point where there aren't going to be 3.9 million? We're going to, instead of more of them, we're going to have far fewer podcasts for whatever reasons. Do you see a winnowing out occurring over the next few years? Oh, uh, yes, undoubtedly. And, you know, and certainly many of the new shows which launched in June of last year um, aren't currently being updated um, because people have found out that actually putting together a podcast is quite difficult and quite time consuming. And uh, you need an awful lot of skills, particularly if you're just doing it yourself, you need an awful lot of different skills uh, in order for you to succeed in putting a podcast together. So it's why actually, you know, the 3.9 figure is lovely, but it's why I'm much more interested in the 444,000 figure. And that's that the now. amount of podcasts which have been updated over the last month. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily believe that podcasting is you know invalid if you don't update things you know in the same way as if you go into a bookstore you know the first question on anybody's lips isn't 
which books are still being written? You know, which books should I buy? Should I only buy the Dan Brown books because he's he's likely to write another one in that in that uh, you know in that series? That's not how most people choose a good book, and it shouldn't be probably how most people choose a good podcast. But uh, you know, so on on one side, I, I I don't think that that's particularly helpful. But on the other side, you know, you can certainly see that the amount of podcasts which are still being created is a useful bellwether and um you know and, and looking at the amount of um uh, the amount of shows out there which are still being made is is great to have a look at i think yes something else i want you to focus on in terms of we're still looking forward at trends and where things may be going paid subscriptions yes apple now has got a little delay you reported on it but they're now having these paid subscriptions that they're going to offer what do you see happening over the next few years with paid subscriptions for podcast listening? Yeah, well, I think it's going to be interesting in that both Apple and Spotify are now offering this. The have you've been able to buy paid for advert, um, paid for podcasts for some time, so you've been able to tap a credit card in and get a special version of a podcast that only paid um, people get. Um, you've been able to get that for some time, but they've been quite fiddly. And the big difference between that and what Apple and Spotify announced um, the other month is that it should be really easy and straightforward. It should be pressing a button um, and automatically you get this paid for podcast, which you will then pay some money for. I think it's interesting. I think what it may offer is it may offer particular genres of podcasts that don't work very well in terms of advertising. And particularly that means um, audio fiction, you know, drama, that sort of thing. Things which are, you know, short in nature, maybe five or six episodes, um, but are lush, you know, very carefully put together pieces of pieces of audio. They don't really work too well if you sling in an ad for insurance in the middle of those. Right. And so actually, you know, this is a great way for creators to choose a different route to earning money from their creativity. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with earning money from your creativity and making your creativity as self-sustaining as you can. Sure. Um, so, you know, I can certainly see that as being beneficial to some. I can see many uh, people who will get very excited about the prospect of asking people directly f for money in their podcasts, but actually uh, will realize, you know, again, that it's a little bit more complicated and a little bit harder than they thought it was going to be. But my suspicion is that we will see, you know, as we've seen with cable TV, as we've seen with um, with uh, other things, the majority of the consumption that we have out there is to free media. Uh, media which is freely available to us or that comes with the package that we're already paying for and um, then we will see on top of that we will see some premium services you know as we already have you know such as um, such as the you know the HBOs of this world um, and um, that is perfectly valid for for the podcasting world as well. Interesting. So they'll continue to be the lion's share of podcasts that you're thinking, James, will be accessible for free, but mm. there will be some podcasts that people will be willing to pay more for. Yeah, I think so. And I, you know, Cadence 13, which is a company um, uh, now owned by Odyssey, which is a large uh, American radio broadcaster, Cadence 13 announced last year that they were going to produce um, what they called movies for the ears, which I thought was a great phrase, <laughs> which is essentially one really long, 
maybe hour and a half piece of audio fiction which you can download and and uh, have a listen to. Now that can't work in terms of of an ad funded model. You know, it simply can't work. You don't get the amount of impressions that you would need in order to make that work properly. But it would certainly work in terms of can I pay a certain amount per month and get you know three or four of these a year. Um, you know, would that be something that I would be interested in? Absolutely, it would do. So I think it does open up different types of content. And, you know, having grown up in the UK, where 50% of our media has no advertising in it whatsoever, no advertising at all, not even sponsorship messages, um, there is a large amount of people like me who find any advertising to be quite frustrating, quite uh, intrusive, um, because, uh, you know, we're much less used to it being a part of our daily life. And so being able to avoid those ads, you know, NPR has um, said that they will launch um, sponsor free versions of their podcasts that you can pay for. Um, if there's a way f- for me to do that, then, you know, then great on that side on that side as well. Um, Adam Curry says um, some interesting things around podcasting and advertising. He basically says that you can't do an independent podcast if you take ads because there will be certain things that you don't want to say because you're worried about what the advertisers might end up thinking about it. So, you know, being able to be free of of advertising as, um, you know, as an income stream and instead have a look at other things is going to be really interesting for some individual shows that want to do that. That's been a tug of war for a long, long time, editorial and advertising. Looking Forward's name is also upbeat, and that's because we see rays of sun in our future, and we call these rays opportunities. (laughs) So James, you know, unfortunately, many people have lost their jobs due to COVID, Others may be seeking new jobs or careers, or they could be students trying to figure out what field they should major in, what they might want to pursue as they leave their college and go on to a career. And then, of course, there's always those entrepreneurs and investors looking for opportunities. You kind of touched on some of these, and I mentioned a lot of different groups and different demographics there as well, of course. Where would you see some of the best opportunities if somebody came to you and again, they could be a student or they could be an entrepreneur. Where do you see opportunities over the next several years? Yeah, so I think, you know, the opportunities that we have are fantastic. There's an awful lot of free tools for you to start podcasting. There's an awful lot of free tools for you to edit and for you to get better in terms of podcasting as well. And I think, you know, one of the exciting things that I've seen over the last couple of uh, years has been organizations like Anchor, like Red Circle, who will enable you to host a podcast. You used to have to pay for that. You don't anymore. Who will enable you to, uh, in Red Circle's case, find advertisers for your podcast so you can actually begin to bring in some money and understand how that part works from that side. So there's real opportunity in terms of that. But I think also uh, podcasting by its very nature gives you other opportunities too, because you end up 
making telephone calls to people to get them on your show that you would uh, you know never otherwise have talked to it gives you a good excuse if you like to talk to a much wider range of people who you otherwise would do and so i think from that point of view just in terms of meeting new people hearing new ideas i think there's uh, an awful lot uh, an awful lot of great opportunities in the future in terms of where podcasting is is uh, going that can grow anyone and, and particularly in terms of a side hustle as well i think it's a great it's a great opportunity there too let me shift that perspective just a little bit to have you comment on james i will see a lot of jobs that will be posted let's say on linkedin mm. and a lot of them in podcast yeah and let's just use spotify most of those job opportunities have nothing to do with being a podcast host so can you comment a little bit more about other opportunities that are available in the industry where you don't have to be like you or me and be on the air and have these guests on, but there's yeah. going to be a need for people to do these other things that may oh, not yeah. be so out front. Yeah. And you can certainly see that when you have a look at, for example, podjobs.net, which is a free uh, jobs board all about um podcasting you can certainly see that there's a wealth of different um, of different jobs and opportunities there you know there's the obvious um, you know being a podcast host like uh, you and me are but then there's the side of editing and polishing audio there's the side of uh, script writing which is something that is um, you know there's a great uh, writer for podcasters Anna Priestland who um, has done some great work uh, she's based down in uh, Melbourne um, and she's done some great work for individual podcasts across the world for things like true crime, yes, but also for things like, you know, she did one project which was around um, taking letters that were sent to people during the Second World War, um, taking those letters and bringing those to life. And so you heard all of these wonderful romantic stories, yes, but you also heard other stories in there as well. So all of that kind of stuff, you know, writing is is an important skill, you know, as well to have. And then, of course, you've got all of the back end stuff of publicity, of PR, of distribution, making sure that podcasts go in the right place. There are an awful lot of podcast consultants out there, some of whom actually know what they're talking about, many of whom don't. So be be very cautious. But, you know, uh, helping people with their new individual shows and all of that. And again, you know, from a radio background, one of the things that I'm incredibly grateful for is that after, you know, 20 years or so working in, in uh, radio, it's actually been more than that, I've been surrounded by people with tremendous experience who understand how to make great audio, who understand technically how to make great audio, who understand, you know, even the most obvious things like how do you use a microphone, for example. It it doesn't say how to use a microphone on the box. You need to understand how to use a microphone. You need to have spent time with radio professionals to understand the right way of using a mic just as a as a way forward. So there are all of these sorts of, um, of skill sets which are hugely important in the podcasting world, just apart from making a podcast in your spare room if you want to do that. Yes. And I guess another area that you would probably say is, is an area of opportunity would be in management, working for these companies that are buying up other companies in the podcasting yeah. industry. There's a lot of that too, right? 
Yeah, there's an awful lot of that. And I think there's an awful lot of talent management, which is something that, you know, historically, people have been really bad at people don't understand how to manage talent. You know, the, the creative people out there have a different way of thinking about things that, uh, you know, that many people yeah. don't. So, yeah. you know, having to manage those people is a very different and, and complicated thing. So yeah, you know, there's an awful lot of, of that sort of side of it as well. I mean, I think it's always useful to have a grounding and an understanding of how audio works, because I think that is that is important. And I think where we've seen problems coming into podcasting in the past has been when companies don't fully understand the industry that they're getting into. But I think once you, you know, once you take that aside, you know, there's there's an awful lot of, of um, you know, great opportunities, you know, throughout. And I think particularly the ad tech world, particularly the world of getting better advertising into podcasts is something where there's a, a real need uh, for, but I think also something where, you know, uh, uh, there can be some great opportunities there as well. Yes. Would it be safe to say, after listening to everything that you've said here, particularly these last few minutes, that you do not think that podcasts and podcasting are going to go the route of a VCR and an 8-track? You think they're going to be around for a while. Is that a correct statement? Well, Jeff, the 8-track uh, was a fine and fantastic thing. The 8-track has gone, but music still exists. And uh, the VCR was a fine and fantastic thing, and the VCR may well have gone, but TV shows and movies still exist as well. We may see that Apple Podcasts isn't a thing in 10 years' time. We may see that Spotify isn't a thing in 10 years' time, but I'm absolutely sure that on-demand audio, what you and I call a podcast, uh, isn't going to go anywhere soon. And I think it's certainly part of where our future goes. That's terrific. So well stated. And I think what you're also pointing out is the content is what's enduring, right? Yeah. The format that it's in or the medium that it's in is one thing, but the content is needed. Yeah, I think the content is king. Distribution is queen. How you actually get the audio to people. But yes, absolutely. You know, make sure that the content is the best possible content that you have. And sometimes you see new people who are very excited about the technology that they've invented forget about the content that should be on it. And to me, that is, you know, clearly the most important thing. And we need to focus on that as much as we can. James, this has been terrific. It's wonderful to have somebody like you who has such a handle on this dynamic, exciting industry that a few years ago, I'm going back maybe five years ago, I really hardly knew what a podcast was. And now I'm somewhat immersed in it, not like you are to that extent, but it's great when you talk to somebody who really knows what's going on in the industry. How can our listeners find out more about pod news, your consulting, your speaking, your writing, anything else, James, that you want to share with them? <laughs> well, Pod News is free. It's a free daily newsletter, which you can get at podnews.net, and you can sign up to that. You can also get Pod News on your smart speaker just by asking uh, it to play the latest news from Pod News, podcasting news, and that will automatically work. If you're interested in uh, anything else that I do, probably the easiest plan is to follow me on Twitter, where you'll find me at James Cridland. C-R-I-D-L-A-N-D. 
people. That's correct. It means a chalky land. It's, a chalky uh, it's land. A, yeah, it's a surname from uh, the Devon uh, area of the UK. Oh, okay. A little bit of a genealogy there. I did <laughs> want to tell everybody that I am a proud subscriber to Pod News, and it is great. If you are oh, in the you. industry or thinking about getting into the industry, it's a fantastic daily that comes out. And James also has the podcast that relates to that as well. James, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate this connection. I'm also thrilled and amazed by the idea that you and I can connect this way, <laughs> that we can have this conversation on Zoom. And here we are 14 hours different. I think that's fantastic. Thank you it's, so uh, much. Thank you so much, Jeff. It's been great speaking and enjoy the rest of yesterday. <laughs> I love it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something. I also hope that you'll tell others about our show. If you have any comments or ideas for future episodes, please contact me at my website, jeff-ostroff.com. That's J-E-F-F. Dash Ostroff, O-S-T-R-O-F-F dot com. This is Jeff Ostroff inviting you to join us again next time on Looking Forward. <laughs>